Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking.、Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and、uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick, so I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps—you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to Stagecraft, Variety's theater podcast, bringing you backstage and behind the scenes with the stars and creators of the hottest shows on Broadway, off Broadway, and beyond. I'm your host, Gordon Cox. On this episode of Stagecraft, I'm talking to two of Britain's acting greats, Eileen Atkins and Jonathan Price. A regular presence both on stage and on screen, Atkins has done everything from joining the Royal Shakespeare Company to co-creating the TV series Upstairs Downstairs to playing Queen Mary in The Crown. She's appeared on Broadway in shows including Doubt, Indiscretions, and The Killing of Sister George. Price, meanwhile, is well known both for screen roles in movies like Brazil and TV shows, including Game of Thrones, and he's won Tonys for his performances in Miss Saigon and Comedians. The two of them are now back on Broadway, playing the central couple in Florian Zeller's play *The Height of the Storm*. Atkins and Price are both here with me now to talk Broadway controversies, favorite roles, and the play the two of them want to do together next. Hi, Eileen and Jonathan. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Hello. Thank you. Thank you.、Um, So, in the height of the storm is an elliptical and sort of elusive play, and for quite a bit of it,、uh, we as audience members don't quite know what's going on. Are we? What's real? What isn't? Are we in someone's head? And if so, whose? You know, for quite a lot of it, I feel like the only thing really anchoring、uh, us is the relationship between your two characters, even though they're elements of your stories that we are not quite、uh, clear on.、Um, well, first of all, how do you describe? To people, when they ask you,、uh, "What is this play about?" Because it's hard to describe to people. Well, you try not to describe it because、yeah. you you try to.、Uh, it, it's there as a piece of theatre for the audience to come in and discover.、Mm. Um, if you say too much about it, it'll it could possibly mislead them, or you know, it might not be what they're seeing.、Um, essentially, it's a it's a love story、mm-hmm. uh, about a long lasting relationship, and what. Happens、uh, to one partner when the other one dies,、yeah. and、uh, and what it means to the family and the reverberations within the family setup,、um, and it's presented in a way that、uh, the audience can、uh, they're asked to discover for themselves what the play is about,、right. and、uh, on a basic level, who is dead, who is alive. Um, right. Who's surviving? What one daughter thinks of the other daughter, and、um, it's a, it's a wonderfully satisfying puzzle.、Mm. Yeah. Do you, as you 
you as actors of your um particularly in those early scenes when we're when we as the audience don't quite know what's happening what was important to you to sort of hold on to and to get across to us um as you did you talk about sort of what uh what we the audience needed from you as actors to sort of help us navigate what was going on um I never think consciously yeah. what does the audience need. I'm just given a part mm. um, and try and do what the director guides me to doing yeah. if I'm muddled. I don't know. I, I, I just had an instinctive mm. feeling for this play, and, I, and that's all I can say. Do you I, know I why? Do you have a sense of why? Well, I can only, I can only say... One, I, and this isn't the question you've asked me. That's quite right. But I can't explain how things work. We just work together very well right from the beginning. But I'd like to say that it's, if you, Jonathan has just described brilliantly how, how you should come to this play and what. But because if you say it's about old people and things like that. I just want to tell a story that happened with one of the understudies who's out front watching it when we were on tour. And there were an old couple came in and sat in front of her. And the usual thing, you know, they'd been married for years. They weren't talking much to each other. The man wasn't talking at all. The woman was talking about, have you got a program? And he was irritable. And by the end of this play, they walked out with his arm round her and she very close to him. So that is the feeling I got when I originally read the play. I thought, thank God it's not depressing. <laughs> and somehow it isn't. Yeah, yeah. Do you, is there a, I, when uh, I saw the show the other night um, and as we were leaving, my uh, companion said, uh, well, wow, we still don't really know what was real. And I thought, don't we? I feel like I was given, by the end of that show, I had a very clear idea of what was being depicted on stage. Am I right? Do you, do you have a, without telling well, us what I it is, do you that, have a... I think that final image does tell the story. Right. If you don't... I think so, too. I thought so, too, but... Good. I mean, to answer your question about what, what the audience needs and yeah. what... Uh, I mean, like Eileen, you don't really... Uh, obviously, you have an ear uh, to the audience all the time and uh, hope they, they're getting what you're doing, but what we are doing, even though the play is fragmented and jumps about a bit, you, you're playing it in the moment. So there's no uh, hint of I'm I'm playing it like a dead person. Uh, we are <laughs> right. playing, right. we are alive and uh, and well in that moment, and then the moment changes to something else. Right. That's what makes it interesting, actually. Yeah. In fact, is yeah. that that's what makes it very interesting to play, mm. because you're endlessly just putting yourself in another situation. Yeah. yeah. It's not all growing gradually. You just go into it, and that's fun. Oh yeah. Had you two ever worked together before? No, no. sadly. No. Oh. Well, no. I'm, I'm a lot older than him. I'm from, only in old age can we manage to be husband and wife. <laughs> and uh, how did you find each other as uh, co-stars? Jonathan, how would you describe well, your always, co-star um, as an actor? How would you characterize her? I have always admired Eileen's work for, for the many, many years we've both <laughs> been uh, at it. Um, and uh, it was... It was an absolute delight to know that she was going to uh, play uh, my wife. Uh, 
Mm. Um, and that's it, really. And we've uh, we hit it off uh, as as actors, as co-workers, mm. and also personally, we get on together really well. We're very fond of each other, I think. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And um, and I, and it makes it a lot easier to be on stage when the relationship is like that. The interesting thing is you don't you don't know how you are going to work with someone, do you? No, the no. You can admire someone very much yeah. in the theatre, and then when you come to work with them, <laughs> you just shock. wish you weren't. <laughs> <laughs> um, in, in, in this case, it was terrific, because I had admired Jonathan mm. um, from when he was a small boy. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> from, uh, and uh, I'd seen his, you know, his, his first time I noticed him was the comedians and I oh, right. yeah. always went and watched him after that and I was I, I did say to our director is Jonathan all right having me as a wife I'm, I mean I'm awfully old and, and I was switched out of the way yeah, no, no it was fine no. so yeah. I've got a dodgy knee so it helps my aging process I see <laughs> just about walk I see did um as the when the project first came to you was there something in it uh theme or a subject matter or something what do you do you have a memory of what in particular you responded to that made you want to uh to work on it well i i knew i liked uh, zeller's work yeah uh, this is florian zeller the playwright Florian's, yeah, yeah. and um and so i was very and also christopher hampton who i've worked with before who translated it right uh we did carrington together that right. christopher wrote and directed um so i was i was really interested to get this script and uh and after the first reading, uh, disappointed to get this script because I didn't know what on earth it was about. Mm. And uh, it took a second reading when I began to it began to be clearer. And by the third reading, I was in tears at the end mm. of it when I knew exactly what it meant to me and what you know what the play, excuse me, <clears throat> um, what it was going to be like to perform. Um, so uh, I then leapt at it, really. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I, I didn't immediately jump on the first reading. Mm-hmm. I thought, oh, I don't quite know what this is really about mm-hmm. at all. Um, but I, they're very young people in my agency, and um, I had one of them read it, because my older agent was a bit dodgy about it. <laughs> and I thought, let the young people read it. Mm. And, um, and they loved it mm-hmm. straight away. So I thought, and, what, and then I went back to it and really liked right. it a lot. Right. And when, when, when we worked on it, I began to like it a lot. That, yeah. That's when yeah. I began to like yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do, uh, do you enjoy working in New York? Being on stage in New York. Oh, I love New York. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I think this is my seventh or eighth. Uh, yeah, Broadway that's a, show. something like something that. Like yeah, that. yeah. Um, so everybody knows I love New York and lived over here quite a bit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Do you yeah, me too. Yes, yeah. I, I enjoy being in New York, and I, I really wanted to come back and do this play because on, on Broadway, at least, I've not done a straight play since Comedians in '76. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, I gave myself to the musical theatre. But I did at BAM. I did the Caretaker, and oh, that's uh, right. Yeah, a few years ago, not many years ago, three or four years ago, yeah. did uh, uh, Merchant of Venice at the Lincoln Centre. Right. Um, but it, it's I'm I do enjoy working in the theatre here. It's it's really interesting. I mean, you asked me earlier before we started recording about the the audiences yeah. here. 
and uh, whether we're doing the plays the same as we did in London. I think the plays is uh, ultimately the same production, but the audience feels uh, very different. Um, And uh, I I think maybe it's because I had taken for granted the, the London response that they got things immediately or they laughed immediately. Mm. And I'd taken that for granted. And I sort of, when this, this audience was a bit more listening and a bit slower to laugh, I was thinking, oh, just, it's not as good. But uh, it's just my expectation is different. And right. uh, I think the more confident we get as we're playing, and we are finding new things yeah. here, yeah. even after playing it for three months in England, right. um, I'm finding new things in the, in the character. Uh, new nuances, really, not many new things. Um, and the, um, I just know that uh, by the end of the play, whatever uh, I think of the response, that the response from the audience at the end of the play is uh, heartfelt and genuine, and uh, right. and really, yeah, it's it's wholehearted from them. Yeah. Do you have uh, when you think of? The, the work that you've done on Broadway, do you have any memories, fond or otherwise, that uh, really stand out for you in terms of what you think of as your, uh, I don't know, um, your sort of signature Broadway experience for you, sort of emotionally? I, I, I've loved I've loved nearly, nearly everything. Only one play I didn't like doing here. Oh. Uh, but we'll keep <laughs> quiet about that. Um, <laughs> we'll keep very quiet about that. No, um, what, I re- what I loved most was... Mm shown the example of it was shown most in when I played Doubt mm, yeah. because um, never in England would you get the audience responses mm-hmm. as you got that because they seem to forget here that they're in a theatre oh, yeah. mm-hmm. and, and or that there is a bit of fact that they're very, almost more than Britain they're used to television and, mm-hmm. and, and they come in with the same feeling so they shout back at you mm-hmm. and, uh, as they did in Doubt which yeah. was wonderful but the response from the audience is always more either way whether they like it or they don't like <laughs> it here and I quite like the directness of it I, mm-hmm. I, I quite like that and my goodness if they like it they really show you yeah. that's lovely too yeah yeah, I can. I remember seeing doubt. I didn't get a chance to see you in it actually, but uh, I do remember there were gasps. There were, there were, we, were we did plenty of gasping. Uh, the, yeah, us, yeah. we Americans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what about you, Jonathan? What do you think of as your uh, kind of favorite Broadway well, experience? I, well, I've I've done so few. Each one, each one's a favorite. Mm. Um, comedians in seventy six, seventy seven was. Yeah. Uh, that was a very exciting time to be in New York. It's, it was yeah, in New York that you. You don't see now. No. Um, uh, Eighth Avenue was uh, an absolute cattle market, and, uh, <laughs> but um, kind of thrilling in a way. And uh, doing that play, which was uh, socially quite hard hitting, um, and the audience had to find their again had to find their way into it because it was essentially about uh, British political issues, but right. there's some issues were universal. Um, and I remember, like Eileen, the, the audience uh, responding vocally um, when I would do the, 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 the second act stand-up piece. And uh, people would start crying and sobbing and moaning. And, uh, and I'd have to backpedal a bit because I thought I was just <laughs> inducing terrible things in the audience. <laughs> and one night, um, 
when I was attacking the dummies, mm, yeah. um, the two figures, uh, one man started blowing his whistle rather that loudly, and uh, the producer was in the theatre and went to him and said, what are you doing? He said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I thought I was being attacked. And that oh, was his uh, mother's oh, whistle. my God. So this had quite an effect on people. <laughs> yeah. And then Miss Saigon was... Uh, I mean, the best way to be in New York is if you're in a hit show. There's sure. nothing better. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and that was just a wonderful experience. You know, Miss Sagan is sort of interesting because we, the conversation that. Uh, yeah, I wish I had brought it up now. We're having up <laughs> No, well, I just want to know what you think of it. What you, uh, just because we're spending a lot of time now talking about sort of, you know, diversity and representation. And yeah. the, when you were initially going to come over in uh, Miss Saigon, there was a. It was sort of a flare-up of what became uh, something we talk about more regularly now yeah. uh, in terms of diversity. Do you, looking back on it, what what do you? Well, you see, the the, the, the extraordinary thing that happened at the time was I'd been playing it uh, in London right. for a year right. with a completely diverse cast. Right. Everybody of any ethnicity was playing anything, mm. um, and not one of them was Vietnamese. And still in New York, not one of them is Vietnamese. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, so it was a bit of a shock to uh, be told that you couldn't play this because you're not uh, Eurasian. Whereas I'd, I'd come from a background in theatre in England where they're working with the Royal Shakespeare Company who are pioneers in diverse yeah. casting. Yeah, right. yes, yes. And I, I played Macbeth with a multiracial cast. And... Um, I expected the same thing to, to happen in New York. Um, so it was, a, it was a bit of a shock, um, but it was a, a really good and worthwhile argument to have had. And very, very good things have uh, come out of it, it so that uh, there is a blind cast, a colorblind casting, and uh, everything else that goes with it, and opportunities for everyone are opened up. Um, but at the time, it was a bit uh, hurtful. Yeah, yeah I imagine. Yeah. 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 Well, I just remembered that. I, I, I had a, little, a smidgen of that when oh. we did um, one of my big flops here. Oh. Um, oh, I'm now going to forget the name of the show. With Ian McKellen and Ian McShane, uh -huh. uh, a Russian play. Uh, uh, um, um, this was about 15 years ago, right? Yeah, it was... yeah. And, okay, uh, yeah. we were playing... I, we know what you're it, talking about. It was, it was a Russian promise? play, and uh, we were playing... Hmm? Not the no. promise. Yes, no. the promise. Thank you. Oh, the Thank promise. You. Oh, okay. promise. Yeah. Right. The promise. The and um, to our yeah. horror, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got to the theatre and there were um, mounted police and a, a, a huge crowd um, saying, "Don't enter! Don't enter!" Mm. And uh, you know, uh, why should English people being play playing mm. Russians? Yeah, and we were. It was a horrible business, mm -hmm. um, you know, pushing your way through the crowd. About, we only lasted uh, three weeks, so right. um, <laughs> that, that was that. But, I mean, I was just pleased we only lasted three weeks because I didn't want the ride to go on, and it was unpleasant. And, um, much but we've had a, a similar thing in, in England now with uh, um, a play that is... Uh, it's an American play, uh, but Jewish falsettos. Oh, right, yes. And there, it's a, a Jewish family, and right. there isn't one uh, Jew mm, right. actor. Oh, yeah, I've read a little bit about that. Yeah. And so a large number of Jewish actors, performers, writers, subjected to this. And uh, 
all I could think of was, well, there goes my career. So <laughs> go from Jewish character to Jewish character. Right. But it, it's, it, it does, it, it's a very narrow argument to have that if you can only play your, uh, your own ethnicity, then theater's dead. I mean, it's not going to survive. Yeah. Yeah. And any, in anything, you should just have the best person you can find for the part anyway. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. that is the answer, as far as I'm concerned, anyway. Yeah. Uh, I feel like both of you throughout your careers have moved very easily from theater to TV to film. And I have thought that, uh, at least traditionally, UK actors have an easier time of that, thinking sort of more holistically about the kind of media they can appear in, because you can live in London and do all three. You can do stage and theater and uh, film and then... At least it's changing a little bit. But in the U.S., you know, you used to have to choose. Well, I'm going to go to yeah. the coast that has mm. the uh, TVs. Well, historically, we didn't have that choice. That's why, you know, you, um, right. there wasn't enough, enough film. Yeah. Obviously, there wasn't enough television right. to, to, for you to focus on one. Yeah. Um, and it was uh, by, by necessity you, you moved between yeah. film yeah. and do you, TV theater. Do either of you have a preferred medium? Yes, I do. Absolutely. I'm, I'm not too happy on film. I, mm. I mean, I, um, I, I've sometimes been happy if I get with certain wonderful directors, mm. um, but mostly I'm much, much happier on the stage. Mm. But Jonathan, I think, is brilliant on film yeah. and happy, I think, aren't you? I am happy on film. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. He's brilliant. I've just seen his new film, The Two Popes. Yeah, The Two Popes. It's simply wonderful. It, Watching Jonathan and Anthony Hopkins together is yeah. a dream. It's mm. a, and it's a wonderful movie. Yeah. Is it the process that you don't like, Eileen? Yes, or the, I'm quite happy yeah. with TV when we used to have... We started out having not ordinary, like, four weeks rehearsal for TV when oh. it started out. Right. I like having a rehearsal. Mm. I don't like going in, somebody else having decided what I look like completely, mm. having things stuck on me, going meet someone that I might not even have met before right. and mm. do a scene. Doing. And I, I just, I, I cope with it. I, sure. I do the best I can, but I'm not happy. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and do you, do you have a preferred medium? Do you? Or I don't. Do you I, like, I, yeah. I kind of separate them. They're very different yeah, disciplines in a way. Um, but like Eileen, the best experiences come when you can uh, spend time with the script and, and rehearse. Right. Like we did with uh, Glenn Close and I doing The Wife. Oh, yeah, right. Uh-huh. Um, we spent time together with the director and the writer, um, table rehearsals. And those rehearsals went on uh, throughout the filming. We'd meet after dinner often right. and go through the next day's work. Um, and that was a really... Hope, you know, a fulfilling experience, and the two popes, um, quite similar, but it's uh, it's really a, a two hander that's opened up in flashbacks to Argentina. So it's a it's a conversation between Tony Hopkins and myself, right? Um, and uh, I think we because Tony hasn't been on stage for a long time, but he does have a theatre background, and sure. it's he. We we worked at, at it as if it was a, a play, you know. Um, we should say that this movie comes out. It just premiered at uh, a couple of film festivals earlier in the fall, and it comes yeah, out it later Toronto? this year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's uh, on screen uh, November twenty seventh, and right. then it's streamed on Netflix after that. That's right. It's a uh, it's a Netflix produced yeah. film. Yeah. So yeah. 
uh, you you each have roles that you are particularly known for. Um, are there roles that for you personally, uh, really, that you cherish that you uh, that you know we might not associate with you, or that but what what of your <laughs> what of your uh, past work really feels uh, important and uh, special to you? Well, um, I'll go first while I yeah, think. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I uh, comedians was uh, yeah. a very important play for uh, in itself, and it was great for me. It kind of introduced me to America and right. all that stuff. And um, there's like a series of stepping stones, which you um, Hamlet in 1980, and then uh, right. doing Miss Saigon. Uh, yep. And I'd never done a musical before, and that was uh, that was a, a great experience. I, I absolutely loved doing it. And um, why were you interested in uh, pursuing musical theater? You sort of—it sounds like you decided. I oh. wasn't <laughs> really. I had no desire to. Uh, um, it wasn't an ambition. Yeah. Um, I'd uh, two things happened. I was playing with Beth at Stratford, and did. Uh, 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 organize a cabaret mm. after the first night in the Dirty Duck Theatre. Dirty, Dirty Duck Pub, sorry. Mm. And I sang Witchcraft, uh, backed by my three witches. <laughs> and uh, with uh, Simon Russell Beale accompanying us on piano. And my agent at the time, Jimmy Sharkey, said, I'd forgotten you could sing, you should do a musical. And I said, yeah, I'd quite like to, because I'd just been to see Les Miserables. And uh, I thought, they are having the best time. It's very emotional. It's very moving. All the audience are in tears. And it doesn't seem to be costing them anything. And I was playing Macbeth and kind of <laughs> felt like beating my head against the wall trying to, you know, uh, do that part. Right. Um, and it, it, then it was a coincidence that uh, Michael Crawford... Uh, you can edit this story down no, as much I, as you no, like. This is Michael Crawford actually. was leaving Phantom, right? And my agent also represented Michael, and he said, "How would you like to uh, do Phantom?" And I said, "Well, I, I don't know, I don't know." And uh, <laughs> I went and uh, met with the musical director of Phantom, and I worked with him for a few sessions, and he reported to Lloyd Webber and Hal Prince that I could sing the role, right? And then I went and met them, and. Uh, they were kind of offering it to me, and they said, have you seen it? And I said, no, I haven't. <laughs> so I went to see it the next night, and uh, this will shock and horrify millions of people. I didn't like it. <laughs> uh -huh. it well, I didn't think I could... I mean, they, they, everyone was wonderful, and it was a fantastic production, but I didn't think I could uh, bring anything different to it, and uh, I would just be become part of the machine right so then we cut to a year or so later and they're casting miss saigon right and nick heitner who i didn't know said well, the person we need for this role of the engineer is jonathan price if only he could sing and cameron mcintosh said well i well, know for can. a fact yeah <laughs> so uh, <laughs> right. so i went and met with them sang for the composers right and uh they um i, I remember auditioning on the stage of the london palladium and I was thinking to myself, if this goes no further, at least I've sung on the stage of the London <laughs> Palladium, which I, grew, as a kid, grew up sort of watching, sure. seeing on TV and great variety theatre. Yeah. 
And then they came up on stage and they said, yes, we'd like you to do it. And I, I remembered my agent's words, don't say yes to anything. So I said, mm, I'll think about it. <laughs> so anyway, it, was, uh, it happened. It was yes. great. Yeah, yeah. Um, what about for you, Aileen? What, what um, uh, feels... Goodness, nothing as good as that. Well, except <laughs> that uh, I think, like Jonathan, you started out talking about, your, the first thing mm. that makes everybody notice you, and the first thing for me was, and I don't think anybody would remember it, because... Um, we played it in England in 1965, so mm. I must have been here with it in 1966. Right. And it was called The Killing of Sister George. Yeah. And it was, which it didn't strike me at the time, it was, mm. but it was the first gay play. The Children's Hour by Lillian Hellman had sort of touched on the subject, but not. it wasn't explicit. Yeah. This was very explicit. Mm. Um, I just thought it was... Vaguely funny play, but I didn't particularly want to be. I was desperate for a job yeah. when I went up for it, but I thought I was quite wrong and didn't like the play and kept telling them I was wrong. <laughs> and then the third callback, I, I said, I don't know why you keep seeing me. I, you need a little tiny China doll of an actress to play this. And they said, Yes, we know we do, but we can't find one. <laughs> and you're the best of the rest. And, um, and then I had no idea. Which, I mean, when we opened at the Bristol Old Vic, um, we heard the seats going up as people left oh, and wow. drove yeah. seeing something so shocking. Yeah. And then we'd played it in London for a year, so we'd got totally used to it. And then coming here, <laughs> the excitement about this play, mm. um, and the word there wasn't gay, of course, it was lesbians. And as we right. got into the first cab we got into, the cabman said, I hear you two are playing lesbians. <laughs> well, wow. you know, I mean, it didn't stop. Um, and, and because I was the only one, I, I was the youngest in the company, mm. and... Uh, I was the first person to turn up here in a real miniskirt. Mm. Um, oh. And, I, you know, double-page spread in Women's Wear Daily with all my clothes and it. It, it probably went to my head. I probably <clears throat> was disgraceful while I was here. But I, that first time, I mm. will never, ever forget. Mm. Um, it was so exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, nothing... I, I'm having a lovely time here now, but it could, you know... <laughs> Well, just yeah. wait for the miniskirts. That's exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> and you're also a writer, Eileen. Do how off? Tell me about sort of what your inspiration is and how you think about writing fitting I, into your acting I, career. I, I I don't call I don't call myself a writer. No, I think I'm. I have very good ideas because upstairs, downstairs. I mean, that seems to work. A, yeah. That's what that seemed to work. It, it didn't that it, yeah. was a very, very good idea. I mean, yeah. Jean Marsh and I were the first people to think about the lives of the servants. Yeah. Servants' lives had not been on the screen at all. So I'm very proud of that idea. Yeah. Um, we did um, a, a storyline for it, but mm. they wouldn't. They wouldn't because we'd never written. They wouldn't let us write an episode. Right. Um, we chipped in all the time. Um, and of course, Jean made a big success. By it. But yeah. I, I never wanted to be in a series because mm. I didn't want my time taken up playing right. one part for too long. Right. Um, there was, I always felt there wasn't enough time. I'd got to get yeah. other things in. And it wasn't my cup of tea in those days. Yeah. Um, and then I had another good idea, which yeah. was um, <laughs> uh, The House of Elliot. Yeah. Um, 
and I think there's a third one in there somewhere. And uh, of course, but I call myself an adapter because the mm. two things that have uh, gone on screen have been right. adaptations. Yeah. Um, uh, Mrs. Dalloway, yeah. <laughs> which I love that film. Yeah. And now there's just been Vita and Virginia, but that is not my script. So, mm. um, oh, okay, right. Uh, it, I did have a script, but the right. director preferred to have her own. Right. Yeah. And I couldn't be bothered to argue. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Um, so you think of yourself more as an uh, as an actor? Do you? Is oh, your yeah, primary activity actor? I, I think. About it. I'm afraid yeah. I like the old word actress. I, I, oh, okay. I, I, I right. really love it. Um, no, but it upsets people. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah. I don't think of myself as a writer. Right. Yeah. I yeah. scribble away a lot of the time, but yeah. I'm, I'm I'm not a great writer. Right. Yeah. Um, and what's we talked about uh, the two popes? What's next for you uh, after in the height of the storm and the two popes? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. It's quite a nice feeling, um, mm. and I'm looking for. I've done a lot of promotion for the two popes, and I'm looking yep. forward to doing more. Right. Um, and then we'll see. Yeah. And do you know what's uh, next for you, Eileen? Or- well, I'm afraid I do a very funny series. I mean, it's not very funny. But I mean, any, a very enjoyable series mm. called Doc Martin. Oh, yes, which yes. Is a, That's been on for a while now. Which, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, is, which is good fun and yeah. to do. And uh, I mean, they, they've asked me for... Uh, we do it every other year, mm. and I've just done an eight, a set of eight. Mm. And they've already asked me to do another set of eight in... 18 months, nearly oh. two years' time. Wow, all right. Which is right. Well, but I may or may nice not. Nice to have something to look forward to, though, isn't it? It is nice. Yes. It is nice to have something to look forward to. So I may or may not do, right. do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, final question. What is the next play that the two of you would like to star in together? I would, well, I would have loved to have done, I've been close to it a number of times, and it's never happened. Hmm. Uh, I did it on stage, a rehearsed reading with Uta Hagen playing Martha, and I think we'd be a very good uh, oh. Virginia. Who's afraid of Virginia Woolf? Yeah, yeah. yeah. What, what do you think about that? Who is afraid? <laughs> who is afraid of Virginia Woolf? <laughs> <laughs> Two very old people. Yeah. <laughs> um, I wish I—I've I, been actually—I have been trying to think. Of, uh, plays uh, with wonderful parts for an old couple, and I've not been able to think of anything. So uh, I don't yeah. know. That sounds a good idea yeah, to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we look forward to seeing it. <laughs> Please bring it to Broadway after oh, yeah. after it's a big hit on the West End. Um, thank you both. Thanks for taking the time. Oh, thank to you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank yeah. you. That was Eileen Atkins and Jonathan Price, now starring together in The Height of the Storm, running at Manhattan Theatre Club's Samuel J. Friedman Theatre through November 17th. If you like what you're hearing on this and other episodes of Stagecraft, I'd very much appreciate it if you took the time to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, or tell a friend. Next week, I'm talking with another big Broadway name, Kristen Chenoweth, returning to Broadway later this fall with a concert engagement celebrating the release of her new album, For the Girls. Until next time. See you at the theater.
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.